subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, you guys. I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy, Chuck, and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Ty's got good hair. I'm just letting you know I'm going to get my pot shots in now with Old Miss all week because I don't know what's going to happen on Saturday night, but I'm going to get as many of those in as possible. Chuck, you didn't have as many pot shots during the game, many explosive plays as you were hoping on Saturday. I know Armstrong had a big one. We heard Snacks Johnson call, but that was really the, the story in the second half was just the, the lack of offense whatsoever and just couldn't get anything clicking on Saturday. A&M's defense was dominant. I mean, they just lived in Arkansas's backfield all day. And, you know, they uh, there were so many times in the first half. We talked last week about how Arkansas planned to take some shots in the first half. Mm-hmm. There were so many times they wanted to. They had the play called. You could tell by the formation and you could tell by what K.J. was doing that, that they dialed one up, and then they just couldn't protect. And, you know, they just weren't able to get the play going. And it was that way all day long. Uh, everything they tried, uh, you know, very few things worked, just just to be real honest. And A&M's defensive line had everything to do with that. Yeah, that is a quality defensive line. I think we saw LSU's performance on Saturday night showcase a little bit of the deficiencies and the issues that the Tigers have. And I, I just wonder, with all those, again, four and five stars that the A&M defensive line has, we saw it come to fruition for them. I wonder if they're going to give Alabama – the same issues next weekend who has had issues with defensive lines at this point like texas well i guess we'll see you know um based on what we're seeing right now alabama's blocking a little bit better than arkansas is maybe a lot better so there may be a different type matchup i don't know but i know that saturday arkansas struggled to block and that was to me the story of the game yeah now i'm sure for a&m i mean Let's just – it is what it is. They played Auburn and Arkansas at this point, not the not the upper shelf of the league. They want to find out if they're for real. Uh, they've had great numbers, what, 30 tackles for loss in two games? Uh, about half that many sacks. I mean, they've, they've, what, 14 sacks in two weeks? They want to see if they can prove it against the top of the of the division. So, uh, it, yeah, it's a big week for them, absolutely. Yeah. Well, the one thing that A&M continues to do well is get off the field on third down. Uh, you know, they were at 20%, allowing opponents 20% on third down coming into the game. And that's really been, you know, where they've, you know, made their money, so to speak, on defense. If they can do that against Alabama, they'll, you know, they'll have a chance to win that game. I, I got to tell you, I'm more concerned about what's going to happen in Oxford, to be real honest with you. Um, you know, Arkansas is in a tough spot right now. They need to find a way to win a game. And, the Ole Miss was impressive against LSU. They ran up and down the field on them, and that was one of those you know haymaker kind of ball games. Mm-hmm. And you know, based on Arkansas's defense in the second half, I thought it was better. Um, you know, I think I don't think LSU's defense is necessarily any better than Arkansas's based on what we've seen the last couple of weeks. Um, so you know, I, I would expect you know, I would expect Ole Miss to try to do what they do, but I was. 
And there wasn't much to take out of Saturday's game. I mean, I'll be honest with you, there wasn't much to take. Uh, but if there was, if there was one thing, I do think the defense was better in the second half. And they're going to have to be good Saturday. Uh, you forced three turnovers in the second half. Big defense C- scored 10 points. Yeah, defense b- scored 10 points in the game. And lots of times, that's that's a recipe for a win. Big C was telling me Arkansas leads the country in defensive touchdowns. You're top 10. You're number one in the SEC in turnovers forced. And you're top 10 in all of college football in that category. I know they've given up some yards to this point. They didn't look great against BYU, but short field, LSU second half. But... I mean, it's really hard to refute the positives. Coach Pittman was talking about that after the game. He was proud of how the defense played. I think they are, too. They're playing more guys. They have different packages for different personnel. But Snacks picking that pass and scoring. Then we come back and we get an opportunity. I mean, get a fumble on the 30 freaking 7 or 8 when we kick a field goal. Same thing when I went for it on 4th and 1. That was on the 40, and they go score on us. You know, it's just... We didn't take advantage of it. They did. Chuck, we always talk about football being a game of benches. I mean, how how different would that game have possibly looked if that deep ball to Armstrong had just been an inch or two past that outstretched DB's hands? And, I mean, he got a finger or two on it, or that thing's another long touchdown for Arkansas. Yeah, I mean, they uh, it was just that kind of game. Arkansas needed a break, hard to get one. And, you know, when you uh, – when again, the opponent lives in your backfield. When the defense is as dominant as what A&M's has been the last couple of weeks, it's hard to score and it's hard to stay in the game because your margin for error is so slim at that point. And Arkansas's margin for error became really slim as the game went on, and um, they just didn't make the plays they had to make. And, but, you know, if we had said before the game you're, you're going to get turnovers by fumbles twice and a pick six in the game and only You'd hold A&M so. to two touchdowns and a couple of missed field goals. You thought, hey, and no penalties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd have thought so. You, you'd, you'd have said, you know, 34-22 good guys. And, uh, you know, the thing is, as, as we, I said earlier, 34-22 doesn't even really tell the story. Here's, here's, here's the one thing. And, look, I know people – I'm smart enough to know. We've been through this many, many times over the years. I know where the fan base is today. I understand it very clearly. The one thing that I will cite, and you can hang your hat on it or not, I remember Enos' first year as the offensive coordinator here in 2015. Um, He'd been the head coach at Central Michigan. He came here. We didn't know who he was. Um, If you'll remember, in 2015, Arkansas really struggled offensively the first half of the year. That's the year they lost to Toledo in Little Rock. Then the next week, they lost A&M in Fayetteville. And the next week, of course, they lost A&M in Arlington. So they're 1-3 at that point. And they really, you know, they, they weren't going anywhere. And then they made a trip to Tennessee, and they upset Tennessee. And they lost at Alabama, but they played better. And then after that, everything started clicking. They beat Auburn in four overtimes. They beat Ole Miss in overtime. They scored 31 at LSU and won by 17. They, they scored 50 against Mississippi State. They scored 28 against Missouri, and then they scored 45 against Kansas State. That team won six of their last seven games. They were 1-3 and three and 2-4. and four. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I don't know if it is or not. That team had Alex Collins as a running back, similar to uh, Rocket. I think mm-hmm. B.A. was the quarterback then. Mm-hmm. Um, he's hung around in the NFL a while. Turns out he was pretty good. Um, so that was a good team. And by the end of the year, 
but they weren't very good at the beginning. And if you remember the year before, Arkansas was a you know halfway decent physical team, um, and then it was almost as though they'd lost their identity. And then about halfway through the season, they found it again. And by the end of the year, they were rugged. And I remember the game at Kansas State against, or in Memphis against Kansas State. And they dominated that bowl game, went eight and five. So I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I am saying that when Enos was here the first time around, it took about five games before that offense started going. How do you put the pieces together? I mean, I don't that, know. that's the question. I mean, and it seems like you got to start with the, the chunks of the corners of the puzzle, if you will. We're putting together a puzzle with this offensive line. I mean, until you fix that, I don't know if you can well, fix the rest of but, it. But, but, again, it's not like you can make a first-year starter suddenly a third-year starter. It's not like you can go out and sign a free agent halfway through the year, pick up somebody off the waiver wire. You're talking about putting the pieces of the puzzle together. The pieces of the puzzle are together. This is just what the puzzle is right now. The pieces of the puzzle, they know what the pieces are. They're just not performing. They're just not there yet. I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to bench a guy and make Tykeese Crawford a starter? What are you going to do? Are you going to bench Manuel and make Shambly the starter again? going to bench Braun? going to make him Marion Harris a starter? I mean, yeah. my point is, and I'm not knocking those guys, my point is, is the pieces are there. Whatever your puzzle is going to look like, the pieces are already there. You just got to find a way to make them cohesive. My, my, my point is how do you elevate their play? You know, you know I'm not, I think I'm only you. time does that. I yeah. think only time does that. I don't know how you say for first-year starters at tackle, I don't know how you say, all right, we're going to coach them up, and by, you know, between week four and week five, they're going to become a legit SEC top-shelf line. I don't know that that happens so quickly. That's the really frustrating part about this year, and that's what, in my mind, makes it so frustrating, is there is no simple solution. There is no simple solution. You can identify the problem, but that doesn't mean that the solution is evident, and that doesn't mean that the solution is imminent. I don't know that it is. I mean, I, th- I think... Um, uh, I think this is going to be a process that takes the entire season. We've heard the phrase before, you're only strong as your weakest link. And I think if you look at the rest of this roster and the rest of position groups, are are they by any means the best in the tops of the core of the conference? No. But I think your offensive line being what it is right now really takes away from the rest of your football team. Like, we really don't know how good the, the wide receivers are, the running backs are. KJ maybe is in his final season. We'll see what he decides on this offseason because the offensive line just doesn't have and give a lot of time for plays to develop. And so I think for, for Arkansas fans, you really can't have a, a huge assumption about the, the overall and really integrity of the offense because a lot of times, as you referenced earlier, the big plays, you don't have enough time for those to develop at this point. Well, and that's that's that was certainly the issue Saturday. I mean, that was certainly the issue Saturday, and and um, uh, I know everyone wants an immediate solution. I understand that, um, but I also think Arkansas right now, and it's not just the tackles. I mean, they're getting a lot of the blame, but it's mm-hmm. not just the tackles. I mean, A and M. Um, I mean, there were times they just blew up the whole right side of that line. I mean, they just, I, and it wasn't just that side of the line. They did whatever they wanted, but. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, and I'm, I'm not a coach. I can't put my finger on it. But for whatever reason, they are struggling to keep other defenses out of their backfield. Yeah, and the reality is, I mean, it seems like the season just started, but 
Saturday marks your sixth game. You're halfway done. I mean, so the picture's getting painted pretty well for what the season will be. You may finish strong, but, I mean, you're halfway home Saturday. Well, uh, you know, I'll go back to 2015, and I'll go back to other years, too. We all rush to judgment. We all rush to determine the worth of the season before we're even to October 15th. We do it every year. All of us do. Um, There have been turnarounds. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm saying there have been turnarounds, and you keep playing. And I do like the fact, and I'll go back to 15. The schedule's real similar in that respect, the way it flips there. Um, You know, you've got an opportunity to win some games. It doesn't mean you will. But I don't think anybody can look at the schedule even halfway objectively and say that the back half doesn't present more opportunities than the front half. I mean, we're, we're going through the slog mm-hmm. right now, and it's tough. Oh, I don't think it's close. I mean, we, even when this schedule came out and we were looking at the offseason, I mean, when you just look at the road-slash-neutral side alone, not playing at home versus the opponents you're playing, when you stack up Florida – Mississippi State, Auburn, and Missouri versus Ole Miss, LSU, Alabama, and A&M. I mean, the roster, the coaching, it's pretty much favors all the first four teams than it does the, the second-half teams. Now, you really don't need to end this stretch with, again, five straight losses. And that Mississippi State game, I don't know they haven't looked great this season, but that's not going to be a walk in the park either based on having to play a, a decent Oh, there team. are no walks in the park. Yeah. There's no such thing as that this year. FIU, when they come, that will not be a walk in the park. Not because of where Arkansas is, but because of where that falls. You know, you can have good teams that plod through November games. Well, injury bug has not really hit Arkansas too much to this point, but I don't know if Dwight McLaughlin's going to play this weekend based on his concussion. Uh, John Morgan, Chuck, you kind of updated us during the break. He's... Um, Looks like it, he's going to be yeah, okay. Which was, Has is the one. Yeah, Luke, yeah. Ha- Luke has been out for the season. The impact, and I know that they're going to feature um, Gums. You've got the Coach Mitch and Ty Washington after the game. Uh, you got Sherman, Bax, but they just don't provide the same element, Chuck, that Luke has does well, each Luke and every has game. Well, Luke has is, I mean, Luke has one of the best players in the country already. Mm-hmm. No, they're, I mean, true freshman came in and won that job. So those guys are good players. Gums caught a lot of balls in North Texas, caught a lot of them. Um, but they're not Luke Haz. I say that respectfully, and I think they tell you the same thing. Let's stay on Luke Haz for a sec. Coach touched on him after the game. Here's what he said about what could have been a freshman All-American. He's so valuable to us. You know, I mean, you go, you go back to LSU and take him out of there. And what's it look like about like that? You know, not not like that, but I'm talking about the big plays that he brings to us. Isn't that crazy? He's a freshman too, and you're talking about him. But we've got other guys that need to step up and have their opportunities. But losing him was a was a big blow to to us offensively. Again, broken collarbone out for the season. Oh, I say that coach mentioned there's a possibility of him coming back if they make a bowl game at this point, but can't count on his services at any regular season game the rest of the way it looks like yeah, it's clavicle and uh yeah I, I would think the regular season would be out of reach and at that point you got to want first of all you got to make a ball game uh at two and three right now that that conversation's uh, way down the road but um you know well, i think that's the biggest thing there yeah. I, I mean you you know certainly you want him to rehab as quickly and as mm-hmm. well as possible and the, you know how the season goes going to have something to do with that too if he's even in a position to do it and i don't know that he would be and someone asked me yesterday about well what about red shirt well he's into his 15th fifth game but 
the way this guy's played, I don't know that having an extra season of eligibility is going to matter with him based on the, the start no. he's had. That's no, way down the road, but, yeah. but I don't know that he needs the red shirt that That's he's going to miss out on being his fifth game where he got injured. Hey, he may be a freshman All-America, even only playing in like four games and three snaps. <laughs> I mean, he may be. Yeah. I mean, hey, name me a better one. And I, I don't. I had researched all the freshmen. Yeah, I was rattle them off. Rattle them off, Tommy. Yeah. Rattle them off. Rattle them but, off. Uh, yeah. Well, we still got a lot of season to go. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's impossible to know how it's all going to play yeah. out right now. I, I again, just for any guy that has, gets suffered an injury, and whether it's Morgan or McLaughlin or Quincy or whoever, it's just you, you feel for the kid. And he, you know how important he is to the Arkansas offense, but. Uh, rehab's just part of it, so hopefully he's able to, to overcome with this, this injury early on in his career. Well, you know how important football is to these kids. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. And the work that they put in to be able to play. That's that's It's disappointing for us as fans, but um, you know, those guys put an awful lot into being out there and playing. And I, coach said it was broken clavicle. Yeah, uh, broken so, clavicle. So, I mean, that's just healing. I mean, you can... Yeah. You can talk about rehab and all that. that, that, that only time's going to fix. He's going to so. be okay. It's oh, just yeah. not going to be now. I want you know. There's no routine injury when it's not you, I mean, or when it is you. But I mean, this on the scale of football injuries, this is kind of a fairly routine deal. I bet if we went back, uh, you probably had a broken clavicle or two every season. Uh, if you go back and look at it, it's fairly fairly common injury. All right, our number for the McClarty Daniel hotline is 877-377-6963. Six locations in Springdale and Benville. A good deal is never too far away. That's where Jimmy and Conway is this morning. Jimmy, welcome into the program. Top of the morning to you, fellas. What do you say, Jimmy? Hey, I'm it's a rough time to be a Hawk fan, but I'm still here. Still here. And, uh, guys, I got uh, just a couple things here. What's your opinion on? I, everybody makes mistakes. I'm fine with that. It's going to happen. Sports coaches, what I have a problem with is that they, they don't seem to learn from them. Fourth and one from the shotgun. Give me an answer for that. Somebody call him out on that. I, I'll explain that. When you got a 245-pound quarterback, you put your full, you put a rocket behind him, snap the ball, and he hits him in the back end. They're not going to stop him for one yard. Explain that to me. Well, let's hear why let's, they won't. Let's hear Sam's explanation first, and then, and then we'll go over ours. Here's why he asked when he didn't go under center. No, not really. I mean. You know, once he gets under center, the front on the defense is certainly going to change. Honestly, if we felt better about him sneaking, we would do that. Just the fact that they will have, you know, five guys within the A and B gap. Well, the answer to Jimmy's question, if you stop and think about it, is really obvious. They don't think they can make it. They don't think they can run that play and make it. I mean, yeah. otherwise they'd be doing it. And yeah. we tend to focus on the quarterback in, in terms of the success or failure of a quarterback sneak. It has to do with the offensive. It has to do with those three guys up front. That's who it has to do with. Successful quarterback sneaks have a lot more to do with the push and who gets low and all that stuff than it does the quarterback himself. Um, there were other teams that ran that successfully, and I watched them Saturday night. I also watched an NFL team do it yesterday not make it. Um, <laughs> you know, 
again, if they thought they could make it, they would. The teams that we've seen do it successfully, let's be honest, they're blocking a lot better than Arkansas is right now. And that's why they made it. I, yeah. I think fans just want to see them try it. And I, I understand that. I, I get it. But, the, you know, and, and look, I, I'm not taking up for it. The question was asked, and he answered the question. You can decide for yourself whether or not you agree with the answer. I mean, that's that's completely up to you. But I'm saying that from the outside looking in, it's obvious why they didn't do it because they don't think they can make it. Yeah, I think, I mean, I would guess they probably tried in practice once or twice. I don't know, again, the physicality and the limitations. And I want to say, i got to go back and watch the tape, but I, I think they did try it against the Catamounts of Western Carolina at one point during that game and were unsuccessful near the goal line. So... I think it's been tried at least once. They just want to see it, I think, one more time. All right, let's go to the back to the phone lines. Doug's in Kentucky. Doug, you got about a minute, man. Go ahead. Yeah, my question or statement is, with Coach Pittman's background of being an offensive line guru, what are y'all's thoughts about that he needs to take back the old line and coach it up, not necessarily do the play calling uh, to take it out of any sense, but just be strictly his specialty, the O-line. We appreciate the call, Doug. I, so I know people have said Saban started doing that with the secondary after they got torched against Texas. I don't know the specifics on him and Cody Kennedy, how much say he has during the course of a practice, but I think fans have – you're not the only fan that has suggested that to this point. I don't know what the answer is there, but that you're not the only one that thinks that. Well, I think there's the also the assumption that you can take these guys, just coach them up a little bit better, and everything's going to be okay. And it just doesn't always work that way. I wish you it also, did. I wish it did. You're also assuming with that line of thinking that Sam Pittman's just letting Cody Kennedy coach him wrong, and that's why he needs to step right. in. I mean, right. I, I don't believe that for, for one second. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa has everything you want for your next getaway. With the luxury and hospitality of a grand old southern hotel, the accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit our thermal water bathhouse for mineral water baths and massages or enjoy one of our many dining options, like our Friday night seafood buffet, primetime in a fountain room every Saturday night, or our award-winning Sunday brunch. Located in downtown Hot Springs, the Arlington is steps away from shopping, entertainment, bathhouse row, and the hiking and biking trails of the National Park. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more Call or text the McClarty Daniel Hotline at 877-377-6963. McClarty Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McCarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McCarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. When you buy a vehicle with McCarty Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community in our schools, in our little leagues, in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. Your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. 
11 to 12, actually. Chuck, I know you were there on Saturday when they were posting up the screen tidbits of different things from Arkansas and Texas A&M. I think the, the loudest ovation outside of A&M or Arkansas touchdowns when they posted the A&M is 110 of the last 11 of these series in the <laughs> entire Aggie fan base. And you I, know, I will say this. There were a lot of Razorback fans oh. here. I was proud of our fan base. We outnumbered them. You could tell walking into the stadium what it was going to be like. And our fans showed up, and I was proud of that. I wish they'd had more to cheer about. Uh, nearly 60,000. There's over 59,000 announced sold attendance in that game. And Chuck's right. I mean, I, I saw it on Friday. I was like, man, I've seen a lot more Razorback fans here than A&M fans. Walked around AT&T Stadium exact same way. Sure enough, when I walked inside, it was same thing again. So, unfortunately, again, your team did not give you much to – talk about at this point to the phone lines Kagan's and Piggott Kagan I know you thought you got some thoughts on this game from Saturday yeah I'm usually pretty positive I always try to think something positive out of negative but the only thing positive I can see is our defense has gotten better how we got one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC and we can't do nothing with him I don't understand it I know he's running for his life but the pay he knows a lot of money you think as long as he's been doing that, and as much knowledge as he's got, he can come up with something to score a touchdown. I mean, even with the offensive line that's not blocking, I mean, there's got to be something we can do. But, like I said, uh, I'm almost at that just give up and replace everybody stage, and I usually don't get like that, but I'll see what y'all got to say about it. Well, I think a lot of people do feel that way this morning, and I get that. Um, I don't, but I know a lot of people do. Uh, and, and, and I'm not going to tell anybody they're wrong for thinking that. I will say that I don't think Ole Miss, and I may eat my words on this, but I don't know that Ole Miss is quite as tough up front as A&M is. Um, you know, they've given up some points. They can score a lot of points. We can score like they do. You can give up some. But um, I think Arkansas will have more success this week. I, 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 I think A&M's good. I don't know what happened with them in Miami. I don't know. But... Um, they've been real good the last two weeks. We'll see how they do against Alabama. And you're talking about the offense, Kagan. Here's Coach Pittman after the game talking about just kind of where they are with this offense right now. I don't think we have too much offense in or anything of that nature. I just I don't know that you or I could say we do this, this, and this well. We thought the stretch play was going to help us, and we didn't do it very good either. Maybe it is cutting something back and just saying, okay, we'll run four plays and that's it. But whatever it is didn't work. I mean, he's right. They don't really do anything particularly well right that, now. That, that, that to me, when I look at the offense right now, is they don't run the stretch play well. That's been their bread and butter. That's, uh, uh, that's, that's, that's where Rocket gets so many of his yards, his cutbacks. And that's what a good back does. And, you know, that's a play that, I mean, to me, that's got to be your bread and butter. And they've not been able to run that this year. Yeah. That's about the third call we've had this morning. I get the frustration. We pay a lot of money for coaches to coach. And, you know, it's that, that sentiment. If paying a lot of money was the only requirement, A&M would have won a long time ago. 
I mean, they'd have won the division. They'd have won the conference. I mean, well, we're I not the just, only one spending money. I, right. I mean, everybody's I mean, spending money. We're we're paying what the market bears. Right. A little bit less, really. I, I, I just wish paying money was the only requirement to be good. To A and M to on the subject of A and M, when you stack up the talent that is on that roster compared to Arkansas's, and I mean, there's a reason your basketball program and baseball program are what they are. I mean, under Muss, you've gotten consistent top five classes, baseball top three classes. Why do you think your teams end up in the postseason, particularly late in the postseason each year? They got the best players. Then you look at Arkansas's football team. Your in-state recruiting is not any good for football compared to other SEC footprints. You're playing a team this weekend that will just same population, Mississippi and Arkansas. It's not even close. Mississippi high school players are three or four times the amount of what Arkansas players are in terms of the scholarships divvied out. And when you look at A&M under Jimbo Fisher, say what you want about an Aggies program that consistently underperforms. They brought in top five class pretty much every year that he's been there. Number one class a year ago. Didn't amount to anything. But that is an issue when Arkansas is bringing in a solid class, top 25, and it's been better every year under Sam Pittman. But you're still not even close when it comes to the pecking order of the SEC right now. And I know there's there's positives about playing and being the Arkansas head football coach, but I don't think people understand how differential it is to be the head coach at Arkansas on the recruiting uphill battle you have to say either LSU, A&M, Georgia, Alabama, teams particularly in the West that you have to deal with each and every week. Well, it'd be nice if you could have a Sean Andrews every year. You know, we've had two or three guys over the course of my time around here on the offensive line that you looked at and go, hey, those guys are the real deal. They're the real deal. They can play with anybody. The problem is places like Georgia and Alabama produce one or two of those every year. We get one every 20 years. And that's, to me, a big difference. It's not an excuse. It's just a big difference. It's one of the realities. Um, You can find linemen like that throughout the deep south and georgia and alabama have been able to you know their states produce them i mean they do and ours doesn't i wish it did but it doesn't of any capital city little rock is the worst the worst high school football town of any sec city in the in the southeastern conference it's not close when you look at the number of players that come out of the little rock metroplex compared to players out of say jackson mississippi baton rouge louisiana atlanta georgia it is night and day because this is more of a basketball state in the high school grassroots. Just how well, it is. They, they produce skill players. They do produce skill players. Your private schools, everything's going private in Central Arkansas, or at least a lot of it as private or exclusive public. And um, you do get a lot of skill players. You get a lot of skill players out of there. We've gotten them. What I'm saying is, is that um, our state just doesn't produce. Sean Andrews after Sean Andrews. It just doesn't. And there are states that do. And Georgia's one of them. I mean, let's just be frank. Georgia's one of them. And we're, 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 we're not in that group. It, it doesn't mean that we can't win. It doesn't mean we can't have a good program. But that is just one of the simple realities. You look at our offensive line right now. Um, manuals from Louisiana. Uh, let's, just, let's just go left to right. Um, you know, you've got Latham's from Oklahoma, Limmer's from Texas, Bronze from Florida. You got one from Arkansas, Kudis. And you look at the backups. You got E. Marion, he's from Arkansas. Wiggins is from Pensacola, Florida. Tykees Crawford's from Texas. 
um, you know, Shambly's an Arkansas kid. But my point is, is that, and, and, and I'm not, again, making an excuse. I'm just saying, look at where they're from. And then go to some of the other places and look at where they're from. And they generally go, you know, toward their backyard, kind of like our kids do too. It's easier to sell an in-state kids than to pluck a kid from out of state. It's always going to be that way. Let's talk to Pig Suey on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Welcome in, Pig Suey. Hey, man. I just I just want to defend all the fans like me that never supported a non-head uh, coach being hired. I know the Arkansas media really swung it up like, oh, this is, this is great. Or well, he's been a head coach. Man. He just hadn't been a head coach at the D1 level. Yeah, I mean, if we're a respectful program that won the national championship in 64, uh, played in the Orange Bowl with Holtz, played with Nixon in a championship game, but yet we can't hire a head coach experience. I mean, it's just laughable, and it's a joke, and I've never supported this lost, lost a family friend because I never agreed with Sam Pittman, and it's clearly showing he does not have um, the capabilities, the shotgun formation, fourth and one, with a 250-pound quarterback. It's it's ridiculous. Fans are seeing it. Um, it's just amazing that we're continuing to get the support that we're getting. I think you guys are doing a great job getting us excited, but you just can't keep plugging holes. I think we need to take Eric Musselman and Dave Van Horn, and those two guys need to hire the next head coach because <laughs> they know the formula to win despite <laughs> recruiting challenges. I'm serious. I remember back in the 90s. I remember back in the 90s, people used to say, well, let's just let Nolan coach everything. (laughs) Oh, man. There's also more in-state talent, and those programs can recruit nationally at a level that the football team can't pick Suey, I would say. And, okay, the reality, we have to separate. So you brought up, again, the 64 National Championship, the 78 Orange Bowl and stuff. That's a snapshot of what Arkansas was in the Southwest Conference. The snapshot is when you've joined the SEC, you're a bottom feeder. You've had seven winning seasons in this league. I know a 98 was great till what happened in Knoxville. 2002, you go to Atlanta. 2006, you go to Atlanta. 10 and 11 were great. 2015 was okay at 8 and 5. Sam had a good season two seasons ago. But the reality is, since you have joined this league, the Titan, the big dog, the one that you have to go up against monstrosities each and every Saturday, you've underperformed. In fact, you've gotten smacked around a good chunk of your tenure in the Southeastern Conference. So I don't know, like, when you factor those two things in, I don't know what you should expect as an Arkansas fan base on this program. I've always thought it was seven or eight wins, compete for the SEC West every four years. But I don't even know if that's the reality that we're facing right now as a football program. One thing you have to remember is when Arkansas was a member of the Southwest Conference, they played a lot of SEC teams in bowl games. And, you know, they lost more than they won. Uh, And Arkansas was a really good Southwest Conference program back then. Um, Now, they had some big wins over those teams. I'm not saying it was a mismatch. It wasn't. But the SEC was dominant then. The SEC is dominant now. It wasn't like Arkansas when they played these bowl games against SEC teams had this, you know, wildly successful record. Um, That's why when we joined the SEC, I think, there were, you know, there was the hard reality that, you know, you're going to play a bowl game, probably seven or eight weeks out of the year, and and by that I mean, back in the day, so to speak, when Arkansas played an SEC team, it was in a bowl game. 
So you were one of the better teams out of your conference, and they were one of the better teams out of the SEC. And so I think we probably should have had a little bit better idea about what this was going to be like. Um, it's, it's, it's a difficult deal. I mean, you know, I, I was punching some numbers, and I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to fathom. You know, when you really look at what's going on, if you factor in the last two years of the Brett Bielema era until now, mm-hmm. we're 14 and 46. Wolf. That's brutal, boys. That's brutal. In, le- in league play. But in league play. Yeah. But I'll also point out to you that 10 of those 14 wins came from Sam Pittman. Well, Sam Pittman, if he wins two games this year, is going to win more ball games in, in uh, his fourth year than Brett Bielema won in five total in conference play. So, hey, it's painfully slow. It's brutally slow. And days like today make you wonder if it's ever going to happen. And I get it. I get it. Some days I'm right there with you. But we are better off than we were before. We're not where we want to be. And I'm not making excuses for any of them. But um, we are better off today than we were. But I know also that that's not much consolation today. I am aware of that. But, you know, that would be my take on this right now. You mentioned in the weather. I was looking at the forecast here in Fayetteville. We're not going to have a high in the 90s all week. Oh, and by beautiful. midweek, boys, Wednesday 75, Thursday 74, Friday 70. And this I'm in weekend, on that. I'm in hey, on that. All right, get you some of this. Saturday, 64, and Sunday, 67. So, I'm uh, really in on that. Woo, Paul, Paul is coming. Chuck, in Oxford, 60 degrees at kickoff Saturday night. Is that what they're saying? 60 wow. degrees. Oh. I have to take a pullover. Pullover, man. This will be a, a pullover weekend for us both at this point. And speaking of Oxford, I, I had Ole Miss people texting me this week. I'm going to see a bunch of them this weekend. And they're they're – they're terrified about this game. They they don't care what Arkansas did because this is a game like LSU. I had so many people saying, oh, Arkansas is going to get blown out in Baton Rouge. It's going to be horrible. And what happened, you were a player two away from winning that game. I hope that's the same thing on Saturday where it's close down the stretch. Hopefully you're on the, the right side of it. But this is one of those series and one of these games. It really doesn't matter who's ranked where, what team's doing what. You look at the last decade and a half, it's been about as close of a series as Arkansas has played at any given point. Well, Kiffin's got a challenge this week to get his guys ready to play at the level that they played against LSU. That's a big rivalry game to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a big game to Ole Miss. Maybe the biggest, if you want to get right down to it. And they played great. They played with a lot of emotion. Uh, I don't know if they'll play with that much emotion next week. I guess we'll find out. But that, to me, is Kiffin's challenge this week, is can he get his team to perform emotionally at the level they did against LSU. And Sam Pittman has a challenge of guys have lost three straight. How do you rally? How do you come together? The offensive line being right now, we've got plenty of things to get into your hog update, but how can they again maneuver and figure out some things, including this offense, which Dan Enos has to get accustomed to at this point. The Year of the Sauce continues at Buffalo Wild Wings. Introducing Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and the return of hot barbecue sauce to the Buffalo Wild Wings Sauce lineup. Try both Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and Hot Barbecue Sauce for a limited time at your local Buffalo Wild Wings. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings in Little Rock, Sherwood, Bryant, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, sauce, beer, and football. 
Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Saw the Betts Harrison app that Ole Miss opened up as a 12.5 point favorite against Arkansas this Saturday. Again, 6.30 on the SEC Network. We'll have our pregame coverage beginning early on Saturday as we get you ready for the game on Saturday night right here on ESPN Arkansas. Hit that line.com. Guys, that seemed a little high to me, but... I, I guess, again, I guess they bet the odds how they're supposed to, and we'll see what happens, if they're able to cover or not Saturday. Well, based on what we saw Saturday, I'm not surprised. You know, Ole Miss put a lot of points on the board, and Arkansas didn't. Should be a shootout. I mean, just based on conventional wisdom, might be might be close to a four-hour game the way this thing could go. It could be. It have a lot of scoring. Chuck's <laughs> like, I'm trying to get out of Mississippi. Hey, you're not no, I don't ball. mean that. I just uh, – <laughs> I hope it's not a four-hour game. It is. Post-game's going to get a little paycheck by the hour, Ty. Well, it's <laughs> a night game. I mean, it's a night game. I hope we're out of there quicker than four hours. Yeah, you already started 6.30. So. Tyler in Greenwood says Ole Miss by 40. He is on the, the pessimistic side <laughs> this morning. Yeah, hey, now, having... Write that down. We'll see what how he feels yeah. on Friday. So. Well, it'll be it'll be Arkansas by 10 by the time Friday rolls around. You do wonder about some status of certain players on Saturday. Here's what Coach Pittman said after the game on certain players and injury updates. He had movement everywhere. Good spirits isn't the word, but he visited with me and said, Coach, I'm fine. But he did have some soreness in his neck. So they took the precautionary, which they should, and they're good at what they do, and they took care of him. But he had movement in everywhere, and he's, he's at the doctor. Luke has broke his clavicle on that first or second play of the game. See, I heard him talking about John Morgan at first again, what he was dealing with during the course of the game. Luke has out for the season with the broken clavicle, and then Dwight McLaughlin, don't expect him back. Could be wrong, but I wouldn't expect him back for Saturday against Ole Miss. Braxton, I think, started, uh, has been playing a lot. Um, I think, you know, I'm not saying it's good. It's not good. But you'll, I would imagine, have Singletary and Braxton uh, starting at those corner spots. Morgan won't be able to spell you, doesn't sound like, on the defensive line, and obviously has is going to be out for the year. To me, you know, when you look at what ails Arkansas right now, we're talking about the offense. We're talking about offensive production. To me, when you lose a player like Has, uh, that's that's uh, nothing against McLaughlin or Morgan. Those are substantial losses, too. By themselves, they'd be substantial. But Has is the one that I think really, um, you know, that's the one that affects you the most going forward. Yeah. Um, the gap between one and two there is a little wider than some other places. So. Jaheim Thomas went down during the course of the game. He ended up coming back. Yeah, he came back. And then you also, uh, again, had Landon Jackson tweaking ankle. He said in the postgame press conference he should be taped up and ready to go for Monday. We'll see. Sometimes when it comes to ankles, it's not as bad during the course of the game or during the course of a match. But after the, the aftermath is a little worse once that thing starts to swell up. So we'll have to well, see about him. The thing about a guy like Jackson is you know what he can do. you got to get him ready to play Saturday. It's, it's, yes, it would be great if they could tape him up, practice him full board today. That would be great. 
But the most important thing is that if you believe he can play on Saturday, you go through the process that's going to get him to that point. Whatever it is, however much contact he takes, whether he's wearing a green jersey or not, mm-hmm. you do what you have to do to get him ready to play Saturday. All right, last thing this week. You got the Blessing College, Collegiate Invitational that starts on Wednesday. It's going to be all on the Golf Channel. Admission and parking is free. You've got both the women's and the men's team inside the top 15. Tommy, I've I've only been to the Blessings one time. It's a beautiful course. I get to practice out there, but it should be a fun weekend for, for Arkansas golf and just a, a golf fan in northwest Arkansas that could attend the, the, the event at some point Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. I've never been to the Blessing, so it'd be a great time for those that have never seen the course. Uh, I've only heard tales about how hard it is and how far some of the uh, uh, the carries are on some of those holes. You can go out and walk the course for free, like you said, and uh, you know just see what's one of the better courses in our part of the country, not just our state. Well, and I think it's nice of Mr. Tyson and his members to allow this to happen. Uh, yeah. It is a beautiful course. It's also a very exclusive course. So the opportunity for these kids to play there, for people to come watch it, um, it's not something you get to do every day. Chuck, I know you're wondering. We did win our scramble match this weekend. I know that's I was you, wondering. I, I was you, wondering. I, well, <laughs> I may or may not have won 40 bucks this weekend and paid for my round, but I know that you were uh, waiting on that answer. Play any of your shots? They play we, any of your shots? About 30-something percent. Now, I played with oh my God. some it was bad, bad golfers. Golf yeah, it was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was horrible. It was a bad, bad round. Let's just say that we had a, a, a three-man scramble on either side, and none of us shot under par. It was, uh, it was pretty interesting. Well, I didn't expect that. Yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. <laughs> That's going to do it for your hog update this weekend. It is bird this morning. It is brought to you by our friends at Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up with any malarkey. Call 888-8-SPARKY. You know, as bad as it was at AT&T Stadium on Saturday, if you're a Cowboy fan, it's pretty fun on Sunday. Jones, pressure coming. He's in trouble. Fowler coming. Ball is loose. Fenderez picks it up. Touchdown, Dallas. The worst loss for Bill Belichick in his life as a head coach in the National Football League. Chuck, you saw it in person 38-3. to 38-3 to on Sunday. You could tell pretty quickly New England didn't come to play. And that happens in NFL games sometimes. You could argue the Cowboys were the same way the week before in Arizona. Uh, that's going to happen sometimes in the NFL. But when Vanderesh scored there on that fumble recovery, I mean, it was sharks to blood after that, and you could tell what was going to happen. They, uh, you know, sometimes that happens in the NFL. They just didn't come to play. That Cowboys defense is for real, man. I mean, they've had several games this season where they've just taken over at this point. I know, again, you mentioned the Arizona game where they defensively, offensively just didn't show up, which happens from time to time, like you suggested. But Man, that defense could be the the difference on on making could it be. a Super Bowl. Now, Dak didn't really have to do anything yesterday. Unfortunately, he was good. Dak 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 played a good game. Cowboys played good all the way around. You could feel it in the building that it was going to be a good day. And then la- last night on Sunday Night Football, the yeah. Kansas City Chiefs survived. I didn't think I'd say that against Zach Wilson, New York Jets. They went 23-20. to 20. Uh, I know that story was really about Taylor Swift and how many times they showed her on the telecast, but Mahomes didn't have a great – almost threw three interceptions well, if not for that, that penalty that was called back. The Hollywood Chiefs are going to have to uh, – <laughs> you know, they're going to have to make certain that what's going on in the suites doesn't become more important than what happens on the field. Um yeah, they uh, they were lucky to get out of there last night. It's a distraction. And Against a team that's not very good. Oh, they're horrible. I mean, I know the Jets have a good defense, and they've got some guys, Quinn Williams, Sauce Gardner, and, and others. But, I mean, that is, to be a three-point game even on the road, 
I, I do wonder, Andy Reid's got to hate this, right? I mean, he's got to hate. He's probably staying behind closed doors. Travis, you, you need to dump Taylor so we can get another breakup song we can get on with the season because it is a huge distraction for that football team that's, again, trying to repeat, trying to win another one. I don't know if they can this year because it's going to be a big issue next you few know, games. I saw in the Eagles game where Jake from State Farm was <laughs> sitting with Mrs. Kelsey, and the rumor now is, of course, that Jason Kelsey is dating Jake from State Farm. <laughs> <laughs> I read that today, or yesterday. I thought that was funny. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. Here's what Coach said after the game on protecting KJ. Well, I think part of it is, you know, we're playing pretty good defensive ends, but you're going to play them every week. You know, they've got good ones. Part of it is, is we're young, a lot of learning curve to do. We do have, in my opinion, the best tackles we have, I think. I still think we've got enough offensive line to protect it. I do. We're just not doing it right. Somebody is not five of them. It's somebody. And as you well know, if one of them has trouble, you, you're in trouble. We're just not as consistent as what we have been in the past. Arkansas ranks outside the top 115 in the college football playoff realm or college football in sacks and tackles for loss given up. That's not necessarily what they've been over the course of years. We know Sam Pittman has that background at this point. Do you just try and I, – I, I know guys, again, they necessarily perform in practice. Based on what you do in practice, you put them in the game. Do you shake things up, though, if you're Enos, Kennedy, and Pittman, just to try something new on Saturday? What do you shake up? Maybe move – I mean, what do you do? I, I'm, and, and, you know, what Pittman said a minute ago, we, we feel like we got our best tackles out there right now. I mean, do you take Kudis out and put Amari and Harris in? Do you take Manuel and Shambly and maybe stick Shambly in there forever now? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know that it's going to be any better, fellas, and I don't know that it wouldn't be worse, just to be real honest with you. I, I, th- I think, as he said, they feel like they got their two best out there, and right now they're just not doing it. I just – again, I don't get a chance to see Amari Wiggins in practice at all, but I wonder what the offense would look like if you put him in at center and you move Limmer either to a guard position. I, I don't know if he's mm-hmm. a tackle based on his, his prior experience, but I mean, he, even if that's something they're contemplating – Right now, at this I don't point. know that that's out of the realm of possibility. I wouldn't say I think it's likely, but I wouldn't say it's out of the realm of possibility. Okay, what do you think, Tommy? Well, I think 
you know, just on paper making two changes uh, at one <laughs> out of five, changing two of the spots. I know you're talking about moving one guy over to guard and bringing in a new center, but that that comes with risk too because it's it's about assignments. It's like Sam said, it's not just one guy; it's somebody on each play missing the assignment. So now you're asking two people to learn a new role of in a, in a new list of assignments here and execute those. But I, 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 I don't think it is out of the realm of possibility that they're going to look at some other possibilities maybe yeah. during the course of the week. I, I, I don't think that's, you know, I, I don't think that's, you know, something that you just need well, to rule out. But now I'm not going to sit here and go so far as to say I think it's likely. So, but I don't think you rule it out. Here's, an, here's another thing. Jackie in Cherokee Village texted on the McCarty-Daniel hotline saying the quarterback's not helping the offensive line. We're not privy to every check. We're not privy, privy to every blitz protection that KJ is supposed to lay out. Hey, you pick up this guy, you pick up this. I know with my own two eyes is watching Arkansas running backs, they've been bad in pass pro this year. And there's been several times where they've gotten blown up where they should be blowing people up at this point. I do wonder though, again, we it's easy to blame the offensive line. How many of these sacks in the first five games have come down to KJ not directing assignments correctly to this point? I don't know. Yeah, you know that's that that's something as you said we're not privy to. We don't uh, we don't know. Uh, but whatever they're doing right now, A and M spent the day in the backfield. You know, just pure and simple. And the plays that they call, I know people always talk about you know play calling, and that's that's the uh, you know that's the easy one. But um, my guess would be, in fact. You know, I'm pretty certain that's a pretty good place call that probably would have worked if they blocked him up, yeah. you know. And so, to me, right now, when I look at it, you can call whatever you want. If you can't block it up, it's not going to work. I mean, play calling such low-hanging fruit. I mean, it always appeals to the angry fan, but it is such low-hanging fruit. And it's such a general term that, in, that can encompass anything and everything. It often does. Or nothing. And... um you know, the bottom line is they're just not blocking it up right now. And when you don't do that, every play is going to look bad, or at least a lot of them are. But it's been a consistent trend. And what's the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and getting the same results? But what's the I, I alternative, know. Tommy? What's the alternative? I hear people saying that. I've heard it the last 24 hours. Yeah. What's the alternative? Well, I think it's what we just discussed as a possibility is is maybe you move some guys around. But is I that don't really going to make things better? Don't we don't know. I that's don't know. the point. That's the point. And I, I'm just saying it can get a whole lot worse. Yeah, I mean, this is. Oh, I, I don't agree with that. I think it I mean, can get worse. Here's, I think it can get worse. Here's it, seven sacks. It, it's a hot take, Monday. I don't think this is a hot take. This is the worst offensive line that Sam Pittman has had in any tenure here at Arkansas. When he was the offensive line coach initially under Bielema, since he's been a head coach. I think you can honestly say that's not me being a radio jock. That's not me trying to generate clicks and sound bites. This is the worst offensive line well, in year four that he has had as the head coach of Arkansas. For, for, for the however many games we've played now, five, I wouldn't disagree with that. But I will go back to what I said in the first hour. That offense in 2015, which was Enos' first year, wasn't very good the first half of the season. Put 12 on the board against Toledo in Little Rock. By the end of the year, we had the Henry Heave. Uh, we had a four-overtime win, won six of the last seven. I'm not saying that's going to happen again, but I'm saying that that team the first half of the season, if you go back and you watch those games, they weren't very good up front. They really weren't. When you lose to Toledo 16-12, to you're, you're not as good as you need to be up front. And, you know, they weren't. 
But as the season wore on, they got better. They gained a lot of confidence in that Auburn game. Auburn couldn't stop them in the overtimes, and that carried over the rest of the season. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying it's going to happen this year. But I am saying it happened that year, and the circumstances were at least somewhat similar. All right, let's take some calls on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. First goes to Kenny, who's down in Panama City, Florida. Kenny, welcome into the program. Hey, how are y'all? Could be All better. Right, Kenny, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing just fine. I'm on my way to work this morning. Uh, I guess the uh, question is, what happened to the other two tight ends from the, the, the transfer portal? One was supposed to be a blocking one, I guess, and then the North, was it North Texas? The guy from North Texas that committed and then decommitted and then re- recommitted, are they just a lot worse than Luke has? Did they, are they not? I guess They're not I, worse than Luke has. Luke has just better. I, I mean, I don't think it's a commentary on them. I think it's just has his playing time has been a commentary on has. And now that he's out, as we saw a good bit on Saturday, when they lined up with two tight ends, it was backs and gums. Mm-hmm. Uh, gums caught a lot of balls at North Texas. Um, but, again, he's been behind Luke has. At Arkansas. So Has was better. Has was going to play. Not that Gums has been a disappointment, just Has was better. Now we're going to find out if Gums can play because he's going to get chances. Yeah. So how much does this change the calculus for Dan Enos, for Sam Pittman not having Babs there? We know he likes the tight end. How, how much does this change the way you set your game plans up with without Luke Babs in there? Well, I don't know that, uh, you know, I, 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 I think you set the game plan up the same way. I think the question's going to become, you know, the, um, you know, what happens once that ball snapped. Um, you know, we saw Haz make some really instinctive plays. That, that, that catch, the 59-yard catch, the way, you know, took off down the sidelines. I mean, he, he understands how to play the game. You lose a lot when you lose a player like that. So, um, does it alter things? I don't know. But maybe the quarterback's not as comfortable with the guy that's replacing him. Back to the phone lines. Brenton Stuttgart this morning on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Again, our number 877-377-6963. Morning, Brent. Good morning. Good morning, Ty, Tommy, and Chuck. What do you say, Brent? Chuck, you might not want to hear it. Go ahead. I don't want you to get fired up like you did about Go ahead. Say what you got to say, man. Chuck, I told you Saturday, I told you Friday, Saturday was going to be a, a, a season-defining game. Our season has been defined, Chuck. We're asking I don't think that. so. Our, our, because we're asking our quarterback to do things he cannot do. We cannot... Chuck, let me tell you something. Just between you and me, I've seen it my whole life. Offensive lines do not, I mean, it takes a while for them to gel, but this bunch is not, they're not playing well. I don't understand. I don't know why. And I do, but, and when we hired Sam Pittman, I thought there was one thing we could depend on always a tough, Physical, offensive line, and we can't block me right now. 
Brent, pre- appreciate the call. I, I think a lot of Arkansas feel, fans feel the kind of the sentiment that you ended with. That was something you never thought you'd have to question the offensive line with Sam Pittman at the helm of Arkansas. Most coaches, when they're down and out or their backs against the wall, they lean on their strength. Well, that's obviously, I mean, it, it's not obviously, it might be the biggest weakness of this football team right now. Well, Coach Pittman said himself after the game, we're not really sure what our strength is right now on mm-hmm. offense. And some of the bread and butter plays aren't working right now. And, you know, it's um, it's a combination of a lot of things, but, you know, it goes back to, I mean, you got to block it up. And that's it sounds simple and, and, you know, sounds like it ought to be easy. You know, it's it's kind of like saying, well, we got a guy that's a, you know, he's a great quarterback's coach and our quarterback's not very good this year. What's happened? Um, you know, I get the conversation. When you've got a coach that was an offensive line coach, sometimes you assume that everything's always going to be good there. I um, I also think there's the feeling sometimes that your best player is infallible. And I think we have the feeling that K.J. sometimes infallible, and I don't know that that's true. Um, I don't think this is all on the offensive line. I think it's a combination of a lot of things. But clearly, that's where it starts, and, and, and I'm not disagreeing with that at all. One of the things, you're talking about the offense, one of the things Coach got asked about after the game is Isaac Tesla didn't had a couple targets, but not getting him going really hadn't been the last couple of games. Here's what he said about the Hillsdale transfer. That's one we got to figure out, too, because, I mean, he's a really good receiver, I think. But, guys, it's hard to throw the football when, you know, you're on their back. I mean or you're scrambling. So he might have been open a few times and just didn't have enough time to get him involved. You know what I'm saying? So we know who he is and we know that we need to get him the football. Obviously didn't do a very good job of it tonight. There's probably some sort of reason. Either he couldn't get open or we didn't have enough time to get him the football. See, all these post-game questions about why didn't you get so-and-so the ball, you can all answer them the same way. I mean, we had seven sacks, had 15 tackles for loss. You mentioned the snaps earlier. How many times did K.J. take his eyes off the downfield area because the snap wasn't where it was? I'm going to guess if you were to factor bad snaps and sacks into it, you probably got at least a dozen, you know, at least a dozen. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know how many plays they ran, but you're running 20 25% of your plays either getting sacked or a bad snap. That's why you're not getting the ball to people. They, you know, it's it's it's. I mean, it's it's not a it's not a satisfying explanation, but it is the explanation. Fifty six plays uh, for the Hogs. Yeah, game. yeah. So I mean, um, first off, that's 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 not enough to score a lot of points anyway, unless you're really good. Um, and then you do factor in, you know, fifteen of those fifty six, fifty four. What'd you say? 56. 15 of the 56, uh, 15 of those ended up in lost yardage plays. Yeah, and that's and again, that's yeah, fifty five lost that, yards on the ground. That doesn't even clear. Arkansas's average necessary distance on third down most of the game was ten yards. Yep. No, I was going to say they that converted well. four of their first five oh. and then nine straight they missed. Yep. But coach said it in the post game. We ran two wild plays, two bad plays, and then we would make something happen on third down. You know, it's kind of like in golf. You hit a shot way left, a shot way right, and somehow you chip in. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's kind of what they did a few well, times. Well, I mean, they, uh, uh, they 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 certainly bailed themselves out of some some bad situations. That's for sure. Our, the other thing that stands out to me amongst Arkansas's offense and wide receivers, Armstrong seems to be the only guy getting separation 
And there were, again, that touchdown they should have had. He had his guy beat. There was another flag pattern. He was wide open. KJ just missed him because he was getting under pressure and sacked. Your wide receivers aren't getting separation, whether it's Tesla, whether it's Broden, Jane Wilson, when he comes in. I know we saw a little bit of Isaiah Satania in this football game, but when you have an offensive line that's not giving your quarterbacks time, the wide receivers have to catch him. And has the guy that was probably maybe the best at that, just finding spots in the zone or getting away from his man. You lost him for the season. Those guys got to step up too and help their quarterback. Well, they do. Uh, most of the guys you're talking about are check down guys. And you don't have time to get there. You just don't have time to get there. And that's what we saw Saturday. There was, you know, there was very little time to check down. There was very little time to survey the field. And um, I don't know that Tesla is always going to be your primary target. I don't know that your tight end's always going to be your primary target. A lot of times those are check down guys. Mm-hmm. And um, you just don't have any time to do that. And you don't have time to cork up a lot. Or, 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 or at least you didn't Saturday. I heard, I don't, I don't know if you and Quinn talked about this as well, Chuck, but I heard Matt Stinchcomb and Dave Neal talking about, well, Arkansas hadn't taken any shots down the field. It's like, they didn't have time to. Like That, that, that was the other issue. Well, they had some of those dialed up. You could tell by the formation and by what KJ was doing. They had it dialed up. They just couldn't block it. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, I heard those guys talking about it. I'm just sitting there watching the game. It's like, well, the defense line. Again, Play calling is such low-hanging fruit. It is such low-hanging fruit. And and people always go to it when you don't score points. And nine times out of ten, nine times out of ten, it's because you didn't block it up. So let's look, take a look at the other SEC games from the weekend. The time that was being played is the same with yours with Florida and Kentucky. Guys, Kentucky mauls Florida. Rushing attack galore. Billy Napier's defense had no answer for the ground game of Mark Stoops and that they, they had game yeah. plan on Saturday. Yeah, Ray Davis just ran all over him. And like I said, from the jump, he, and having – you know, SEC na- nation there, and you could tell that was an electric atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Kentucky was so on, uh, you know, on point, ready for that game. And Florida's been there a long time, Achilles' heel until recent years. Chuck Mark Stoops has that figured out, and now uh, they've they've kind of owned Florida these last three years. Well, it's a Mark Stoops kind of game. It's a physical game. You know, they uh, um, they whipped them up front, and Florida's not real good up front right now. And Kentucky's, you know, they're not. Uh, an elite team, but they're they're more physical and better up front than Florida. And no longer, you're right. I, I'm, I mean, it was a um, that was a big game to Kentucky. They had that one circled, and they wanted to win that one really badly. Maybe the most surprising. kind of see that coming. Yeah. Kind of see you it can, coming. Yeah, you could see it on TV just watching there in front of uh, the yeah. Hawks coming on. Just that that atmosphere was juiced and ready. Maybe the most surprising outcome of Saturday was Auburn going toe to toe with Georgia until Brock Bowers took over in that fourth quarter. They fall twenty seven to twenty. At one point, they were up. I think by 10 points in that football game, but uh, too much from the All-American tight end as Georgia wins 27-20. to Auburn's defense played really well in this game, just didn't have enough offensively from Robbie Ashford and Peyton Thorne. No, they Auburn. played well. Auburn, Auburn, I thought, played above their heads from the part I was able to see. Yeah, Auburn played well, but I ne- there was never a moment you really thought Auburn was going to win that game if you were watching. And the team that you're playing on Saturday night wins a thriller as Ole Miss goes on to beat LSU 55-49. to They knock down a Jaden Daniels pass as the time expires. Back and forth all night long. Jackson Dart probably played his best game in his Ole Miss career. Guys, that's going to be a tough offense to stop if they do what they did on Saturday against LSU. Yeah, that's the key phrase there, if they do what they did. And um, they are really 
a team that considers LSU their rival, a state that considers LSU their rival. It was a big game for Ole Miss. Game of the weekend for sure. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.